We have a segment we call Community Stories and tell stories of people and organizations in the community and the great work that they're doing. And one of them we have today is Jack Considine. Jack Considine, who served 16 years on the Mankato City Council. He served six years as our state representative. And uh, he retired from public service earlier this month and did a nice write-up on him in the the Free Press, a nice article, Passionate, Considine Leaves Public Af- Office After 22 Years. And we have him in studio today to chat a little bit about his experience and his time in our community. Good morning, Jack. Good morning, Karen. It's good to be here. Yeah, so now you've been retired for, for how many days now? Uh, the 4th was my last yeah. day in office. Luke oh. was sworn in on the 5th. All right, so after, what, two weeks? <laughs> two weeks of being, how's retirement? I love it. Um <laughs> As I just started to tell you, I'm coaching uh, one of my granddaughter's uh, traveling basketball team. I'm the assistant coach. My son's the head coach. Now, what school is this with then? It's the traveling team of the Mankato Basketball oh, okay. Association. Okay. So it's sixth grade girls, um, and it's just a blast to see the improvement, um, to watch them progress as basketball players, uh, as teammates. It's a lot of fun. Um, and so you have a little experience in sports. You were telling me a little bit as you as you came in here with your cane. I said, "Did you have a knee replaced?" And you said, "Yeah, maybe a little too much football, maybe basketball." So you have a former history as a, a an athlete. Uh, well, actually, uh, I have two state championships, and Woo. my junior year, my coach named me MVP of the state championship game. The ran the ball forty times during the game and 32 times they ran behind me and where did you go to mount sales high school uh academy in macon georgia oh so you're a georgian originally no my father was an air force officer ah. and that was the last place he was stationed robbins air force base i lived in morocco germany ohio alabama kansas and the last place was georgia before i came to minnesota how did you end up here in mankato minnesota well my father was originally from minnesota and always talked about it and after my senior year in high school, uh, he had retired from the Air Force and was actually teaching high school. And he uh, came home and said, I've taken a job with the Catholic Church in Mankato, oh. and we're moving to Mankato. Um, and you'd never heard of it, of course. Actually, I had a bumper sticker all through high school on my uh, one of my notebooks. It was the Vietnam Veterans Against the War. Headquarters, Mankato State, Minnesota. And that was the only thing I knew about it. Well, I'll be darned. And now coming from Georgia up to Mankato, a big temperature difference there. Oh, it was shocking. Um, uh, First time I came up, I drove a moving truck in the middle of January. (laughs) And I got into the truck with a pair of jeans, a flannel shirt, and a peacoat on. And thinking that would be sufficient for anything. (laughs) And we got to Austin, Minnesota. The truck broke down. I jumped out. Uh, It was about 20 below zero, and I jumped right back in um, and went, it's cold. Um, (laughs) So we uh, had the truck actually ended up being towed to Mankato. Um, I helped them unload, and I got on a plane the next day, went back to the University of Georgia. Really? Yes. Well, you know, a lot of our international students find are, are shocked when they come here from Africa, et cetera, and they find out that they're, they're not, not adequately prepared either. So <laughs> similar to you. <laughs> I uh, went to school uh, one year in Worthington, Minnesota, and it oh. happened to be during the uh, Super Bowl blizzard in 75. And we had two kids from West Cameroon, Africa, that had never seen it below 70 degrees oh, in wow. their entire life. Um, 
still in the days of film, I'll bet the two of them shot up 20, 30 rolls of film and sent it back to Africa. Because it was so unusual <laughs> for, for <laughs> well, them. Well, it was a pretty amazing blizzard, actually. But And as far as work, you, you came here in what year again in Mankato? Well, I came up in um, at the very end of 1980. Okay. Um, I th- oh, really? Because I came here in 1988, and I was from Wisconsin. So were you there then, uh, back in 88? That's when I first came to Mankato. So I was. Um, so we came about the same time then. Well, 80. and then. Oh, you were uh, earlier. Okay. Yeah, 80. Uh, my parents had lived here since um, the fall of 73. Okay. And um, I had stayed in Georgia going to school and thought I was done. Right. This is a story they relate in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, I had two good friends, Bert Wilcher and Tommy Duncan, and at Georgia we had taught some scuba lessons on the side together. Bert oh. was an instructor. And his father lined us up jo- with jobs in the Grand Cayman Islands to go take out groups as dive masters. As I walked out of the graduation office, they said, you're four hours short. And I went, no, not possible. Oh, no, but for your degree? For my degree. Oh, dear. And, again, the story's in there. I looked at Tommy and Bert and said, you know, after six colleges and eight years, i got to get a degree. (laughs) And so I said, I'm going up to Mankato. I'm going to take one course. course. I'll transfer it back to Georgia, and I'll meet you guys in the spring. And instead, I called Tommy's brother and said, tell him I'm not coming. I have um, met Christine Madsen, who I'd actually known from one of my father's campaigns a few years earlier. And I said, we're going to get engaged and get married. And All for the it. love of a woman. It was, yes. And I've never been to the Grand Caymans. Got to oh, rectify that sometimes. One day. Now that you're retired, you have all that time. It's on you, my list. <laughs> if you can travel again anytime yes. soon, that's for sure. So so you came here, and what, what work did you do when you first came to town? What sort of job did you I was you? a bartender. Uh, oh, really? I had... Um, been bartending down in college for a number of years, which I kind of enjoyed. Um, I was working at the Speakeasy. Um, well, that you that must come be at, that must be before my time. It was on Belgrade and Range. It was on the okay. corner there, across from Spinners. They had the best spaghetti in the world, and there was a little bar underneath it called the Speakeasy. And again, my plan was to be there for a couple of months. Um, and then when we got married, I went, well, that's not actually going to work um, to, you know, have a family with a bartender's salary. Sure. So. Um, did you get those four credits, by the way, here? I did. At um, MSU? Minnesota at MSU. State? In I what? took human sexuality from oh. Boyd Duncan. <laughs> okay. Uh, didn't realize that sex could actually be boring. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Good um, one. Um, but I got it. I transferred it back, and I got a degree in sociology, sure. which happened to be my father's degree. And then, lo and behold, 20-some years later, um, my daughter looks at me and says, I'm majoring in sociology. Because you isn't it. your wife, Christine, is... Social worker. Oh, she's social worker. Okay. Yeah, she has a master's degree in social work. Okay. In clinical so, social worker. So it's all in the family then. Yeah, yeah. And, and then how did you use that after becoming a... Ending your bartending career? I took a couple of tests through the state, and one of them was a social worker test, and another one was a behavior analyst test. And the behavior analyst test, I got called in for an interview at the state security hospital, which um, I took that job. It was paid rather well. Um, I think I started at eight seventeen an hour. In well, back 19- then, that was good. Yeah, 1983. Yeah. Sure. And it had benefits, um, and 
Chris at that point was pregnant with our second child, and I just jumped up and down at that opportunity. Um, that's your phone, I think. That's my phone. I'm not I'm playing any music. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I was there for six and a half years, and um, I'm sorry about that. It's all I, your fans calling in to say, hey. Yeah, I don't think so. No, okay. <laughs> but, um, yes, I had my ribs broken. I had oh, a the knee injury. security hospital? I did. I went over a table. Um, I had smoke inhalation. Oh, dear. Um, uh I had a couple other injuries. I guess I won't mention on thing. Uh, Chris would get hysterical when I got if I got home early because it meant I was hurt, hurt again. And oh. so um, started looking around and found they had a job then as the program director and counselor at the Blue Earth County Jail. So you went from security hospital to jail. Well, <laughs> yeah. not in not in jail. <laughs> not exa- yeah. <laughs> not Let's a, clarify that you're a little on bit. The yes. other side of the bars. <laughs> yeah, the other side. Right, uh, right. Well, my children would say that when they were little. Oh, daddy's in jail, and my <laughs> wife would jump and go. <laughs> no, he no. works there. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. Um, but yes, and then I spent twenty-one plus years doing that. Um, How was working in a jail? I mean, it's the county jail versus the the federal prison or something, and and security hospital. It was that a lot easier do you think or not necessarily um when i interviewed for the the jail position the jail administrator looked at me and said it's a jail it could be dangerous sure i started laughing really and i said am i gonna have 18 19 guys trying to kill me every day he said no (laughs) piece of cake Uh, and actually i think in that almost 22 years um I maybe got into three or four altercations, whereas a security hospital, that would sometimes happen in a night. Was this was this a sexual offender unit, or is this more general, or what unit were you at the security? I was on the 800 unit, which at that time was the most assaultive unit in the state okay. of Minnesota. So highly dangerous. Highly dangerous at that point. And um, did most of them end up just staying there and not getting out? It, was, it took a long time. Okay. Um, these were um, people that you would have nightmares about. And they were dangerous, and they were volatile, and um, they were not in control. And so um, you would be walking down the hall. I used to say it's funny to watch somebody that you know works at the security hospital because they'll walk up to a corner and they'll step out and look around it. Oh. Because you'd have somebody standing there and just attack you. Um, Or you'd be walking down the hallway, and they'd just step across the hallway and hit you. And because the voices told him to do it. It was a very dangerous place. The mental to illness. Work, you know? Yeah. Do, do you feel that working at that job in security and then working in the, the county jail form formulated what you were eventually to do with public service? Is that how you eventually got involved with public service? That was more relevant to my work uh, as a state representative in um, Mankato, city council I rarely had to deal with people that were mentally ill Um, I mean people would come in and 99.9 even if they were opposed on opposite sides still wanted what was best for the community but I mean in terms of wanting to serve the public did did those formulate some reason you you saw issues or anything or what made you all of a sudden decide I'm going to run for council I'm going to run for office actually it was a desire to give back to Mankato oh okay um we raised, 
Chris and I sat down and said, where are we going to live? And initially, I was pushing for Georgia because of the weather, mainly. <laughs> and we started looking at the school system and opportunities for kids. And we came to the conclusion that Mankato was the place we wanted to be. Um, I grew up, I never had a hometown. Sure. Uh, every three or four years. Yeah. By the time I was 13, I'd lived in all those places that um, I just listed. It they were places, you know, you lived for a few years and you moved. Um, so you never really had home base? No, not, I didn't, not at all. And that was one of the things addressing some of the employees at the end of my city council experience was, I finally have a hometown. Wow. So, and, and that obviously has... Meant a lot to me. Yeah, for sure. And and Chris has been involved in social work as well. And I was looking in this article about you, it talks about um, some of your priorities in the legislature we're dealing with. Um, mental health and things like that and I I wasn't sure if that came from your wife being a social worker but obviously having oh, worked yes. with people with mental illness and <laughs> no. and her work as well impacted your you know just looking at these people that used to just be locked away forever and I have a son who's on the autism spectrum and they used to just lock them away and not deal with them but now things have changed and you worked for legislature to try and help make things better for people with disabilities or issues like that? It's important that they are given an opportunity to contribute. Um, it's really important that they have a chance to lead as full of lives as possible. Um, I used to love a, a MRCI, mm -hmm. or no, Harry Myring Center, right. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, had a, a program where um, I think Judy Arsdorf ran yes. it, yes. Uh, where they would go out to um, Miniopa and they would just gather seeds for biodiversity. That's a great program. Isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it's something anybody can do, and yet they were contributing. That That's my idea of a perfect program, where they get a chance to have some um, to contribute, to feel good about what they're doing. Um, it's, yeah, and we need more opportunities for that. We also need more of those for uh, people that are in prison, too. Um, there is nothing more dangerous than somebody that doesn't have hope. And so we need to provide opportunities for them to do things, to pay back the community, to help support their families. Um, thing, it's one of the things about COVID that really upset me because there was a lot of things that I still wanted to do on my committee, um, and I didn't get an opportunity to do that. When did you first run for office in, in terms of the Mankato City Council? 1998. And what was it that prompted you to do that? Was there an issue or something, or somebody just said, Jack, you should, you should run? Or was it some specific thing that you wanted to, to improve or change? Well, uh, the previous 10 years, I had coached football, basketball, and baseball. I would coach my son's baseball and football, and I would coach my daughter's basketball. And um, I got a lot of satisfaction. Again, that was my way of contributing mm -hmm. uh, to the community was to try to help and it's, I still get a, a great deal of joy when I have some kid come up to me and said, you coached me in this or that, and, uh, you know, and you made an impression on me. And, but in 1998, my daughter started um, high school. Well, there are no volunteer coaching jobs once they get there. Sure. And I thought about continuing to coach um, in the local associations, even though my kids wouldn't right. be there. But that was the point where I looked up and went, you know, we have, my kids are turning out really good, and I'm very proud of them, and the community had a lot to do with that, and I want to give back to something. And I saw uh, Jack Norwaki, um had s announced that he was going to step down, and I thought, 
I'm going to try that and see if that's something where, again, I can help make Mankato a better place. And what were some of the issues you faced as a first-time council member? Do you remember any of the big issues back then, any controversial? Because one of the the article talks about you as being outspoken and sometimes, you know, maybe aggressive, which, you know, whatever that, that whatever they mean by that. But it's I mean, not inaccurate. Yeah, but, but wanting to obviously push well, something Well, this forward. I think people will find really hard to believe, is that for the first year and a half that I was on the council, I pretty much kept my mouth shut oh, and learned. Okay. Um, okay. Because there was a learning curve. Right. And um, I will be forever grateful to Kathy Sharon because I met with her, I don't know, a number of times. And uh, we would go down to one of the coffee shops and, uh, you know, I'd pick her brain. And um, it was extremely helpful. Um, and well, Kathy, so, by the way, is also in social work. Isn't she of some sort? Of she's a nurse. Psych? Oh, she's a nurse, but it's it's mental health. I know she does a I lot. I believe of, she does a yeah, lot. Yeah, so um, kind of that same you know kind of background and she, yeah, hers more a little more medical. Mine would be a little bit more mental health, but okay, uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, that was a, a tremendous asset uh, to have Kathy mm-hmm. uh, sit down and talk to her, and like I said, for about the first year and a half, I pretty much kept my mouth shut and learned, and then. Um, Again, on city council, there aren't any really, not too many partisan uh, issues and things. I mean, you're taking care of streets and police. Um, You're taking care of um, toilets flushing. Right, Um, right. I always said my favorite uh, department in the entire city was the wastewater treatment plant. There you go. Um, You know, that's a great place for bird watching, too. Is it? Oh, yeah. Best place. I think we could get by without almost any other department for 48 hours. But I wouldn't <laughs> want to try that to, one. <laughs> Not that one, no. Um, I gained a tremendous amount of respect for the people that work for the city. Mm-hmm. Um, for 16 years, every Christmas, I got up and took donuts to everybody that was working. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I want to ask you this. So you saw in the paper today that Leroy Weeble, the former sheriff, did you work under Leroy? I did. Because um, when I first came to Mankato, he was the 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 big guy in terms of um, law enforcement, because I used to be a reporter at KUIC for, you know, a number mm-hmm, of years. I so remember. I, and I think I've interviewed you, of course, through the years as well. Did you ever work under Glenn Gabriel? Uh, no. Oh, you uh, didn't? You weren't Well, there. he was there, but I worked uh, for the county. Okay. So okay. I worked for a while for a guy named Jerry Haley. Uh, who I was remember the him. Cor- yeah, he was the corrections chief. Yep. Um, probably my all-time favorite boss. Oh. Um, Leroy ran the jail, so I kind of did. Um Leroy was an extremely intelligent man. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, he was very helpful when I was in the media, and I was pretty green. So, I mean, I it's a, yeah. sad yeah. to hear of his passing, but, you know, he was 80. and Yeah, you know. and but he um, he had a master's degree. Um, like I say, he was extremely bright. I uh, really enjoyed just talking to Leroy. Um, he... Uh, was actually pretty advanced in trying to bring things up to date in Blue Earth County. Um, he did um, a lot of really good work. Let's just leave it at that. Sure. But, um, and then um, I actually was still under corrections, though, when Leroy was there. Oh, okay. And then later on, um, I was moved to the sheriff's department, so I worked for Brad Peterson. Okay. Um, and I... <laughs> I really liked where I was, so I wasn't real keen on moving to the sheriff's department. But then once I did, I realized I was in the corrections um, pension plan, which was a lot better. And I was going, oh, I wish I'd come over here years ago. Um, 
yeah, it's significantly better than um, the regular pension did, plan. Did you work under Stan Christ as well when you were first in, or who, or was uh, Stan Christ was the mayor for the first year? Okay, of, and then and then he disappeared. Um, right. Well, which today do any we do we still know where he's at? Anybody? I um, that was actually one of the oddest phone calls I've ever gotten was from Pat Hinch just going, "The mayor's gone." I'm like, "When's he getting back?" <laughs> you know, no, you're no, not getting this. He's gone. Um, did, is it? Did he say why? Ever? I'm trying to. Remember. I, he never did. Um, now you flash forward; it's uh, 2019, right. and my legislative assistant says you got a phone call from some guy named Stan Christ. Oh, and I went, "What?" Yeah, where did that come <laughs> he, from? Yeah, I said, "You know him?" I said, "Well, he was the mayor of Mankato. He disappeared in the middle of the night. We yeah. never heard from him again." Um, he wanted to talk about uh, capital art, and oh. he knew an artist in Minnesota that did some Native American bus and things and um i'm sad to say it was towards the end of the year we were in crunch time and i never got back to him oh because um, that would have been an interesting conversation hey where were you <laughs> yeah well you know, his ex-wife lived right down the street from me and when we first moved into the house that we're currently in his daughter was at the end of the alley um she moved shortly okay. thereafter and I, again, actually coached one of his grandchildren, um, Andrew, in, I think it was T-Ball. Really nice kid. Well, it's just one of those mysteries of Mankato that, you know, <laughs> you look back and you say, hmm, what, what ever happened there? And uh, so I was just curious your take or what you... Well, he, he I don't know what it spurred him, but, I mean, they eventually did find him in Missouri somewhere. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and at that point, it had been about 10 years, and I think the editor of the free press said, if he wants to call us, he can. He can well, call you, okay. Yeah, I think people by that point had kind of lost interest. Yeah, you know, time moves on, as, as we all know. Now, you went, were on the, the city council for a while, and then all of a sudden you said, I'm going to run for state office. Tell me about how that happened. Um. Actually, Kathy Breinert called me, as she called a bunch of people, and said, I'm going to step down. Mm -hmm. And I got off the phone and looked at Chris and went, no, I just <laughs> announced I'm not running for city council again. I'm not interested right. in doing that. And it was about three days, and I looked and looked, and I went, wow, the 16 years on the council really has prepared me well for this. And in all modesty, I think I can do a better job than anybody else. Who, who um, did you run against Speck the first time? A young man named Dave Cruz, I think. Okay. Um, it's I, I barely remember it, but I, I mean, it's years ago. Yeah, yeah. And again, as far as infrastructure, the needs for local governments, um, a lot of the mental health things, I felt like I was pretty well prepared for. Um, to step in and contribute again up on the state level. So I, I did, but right from the beginning I said that this is not going to be a long-term thing for me um, and started looking for a successor almost immediately. Oh, okay. We are talking with Jack Considine, who is a part of our community stories here, telling us about his 16 years on the Mankato City Council, six as a state representative, and fell in love with the community. And like me... I figured, I started at KUIC, I figured I'll be here a couple of years and then I'm going to move on to a big city like the Twin Cities or someplace else. And lo and behold, I started here in 88 and here I am today. Family. It's in your blood. Yeah, exactly. And, and, I, and I love this community. So it's the one kind of thing that you 
set roots down like you have. Now that you're retired, though, are you planning on moving back to Georgia where it's warm again, or are you okay here now? I, I may spend part of the year out of here. <laughs> um, where it's warmer. Yeah. it's um, Actually, this winter has not been too bad at all. That was one of the things about the legislature is it met, you know, from in January, February, and March. And so um, I love Minnesota, but I love it a lot more in April, May, June, July, and August. Exactly. Uh, than I do the other parts of the year. Um, and I've always wanted to travel. My wife and I have traveled over the years. Uh, you know, we've been to Hawaii and Acapulco and Jamaica. And she still has relatives in um, Denmark. We've been there a couple of okay. times. Uh, now I'd like to start taking my grandchildren with me on some. Do you know that um, one of your son-in-law used to work here at KMSU? Oh, Wes. Yeah. Oh, Wes, Wes McConville. He was one of my news people, and so I thought it was so cool because all of a sudden I started seeing pictures uh, on his. Well, your daughter, I guess, is that's your daughter. Yeah. Um, and there's Wes, and I thought, oh wow, he's he's related to Jack Considine now. So yes, he was a. I'm not re- sure he wants to admit that in public. Oh, but. okay. He was a really <laughs> nice young man and did a great job for us. So I did, just didn't know if you ever knew that connection, but he was here at KMSU as one of our student workers and has uh, done very well. And I know he did service. He uh, served as well didn't he in the army yeah yeah yes he yes. did uh, uh, a tour of iraq i remember um, that a great father wonderful husband and uh, twins they have twins right oh lord have mercy do they have twins uh yes dylan and scarlett are uh four and um they are two little pistols are and they? they go non-stop um i finally stopped at one point in <laughs> said a little prayer to mother and you've got your revenge finally oh. um, <laughs> so yeah. do you have just uh the daughter courtney and is that other children too or john works for gmg here okay john of course all yeah, right gotcha yeah. That, yeah the two all right well let's go back to the legislature oh and let me say oh yes john's wife is an excellent mother and wife if i had to say that about well oh, I, I need to get that in there about mary too. Yes, yes absolutely delight um yes and course the biggest delight in our life now are the five grandchildren you have five now okay uh which governors did you serve under when you were in the office when uh, you were in office as a representative uh Dayton and Walls Dayton and Walls and so how was that experience being a state representative is it something that you would recommend for anybody or do you have to have a certain medal to do that yeah um it's not for anybody. Uh, one of the things they tell you in the orientation, and they say it over and over, is the information comes at you, and the metaphor is it's like trying to drink from a fire hose. Okay. And so that was a huge adjustment. When I was in the city council, I pretty much could keep an eye on everything and had my finger, I thought, in most of the pies, particularly the last two terms. And that's just not possible at the, uh, at the state uh, representative level. Um, and yeah, you have to have somewhat of a thick skin. Um, you know, you have people say things that you want to respond to, but you can't or um, you shouldn't. Probably one of the most tough, toughest things for me, yes, is when somebody um, attacks me. My first reaction is to go right back at them, and that just isn't smart. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, you have to step back and relax. Um, and they're, you know, politics uh, sometimes is um, mean business. And, um, yeah, so, no, it's not for everybody. And um, there are people that I did 
you know, at different points say what they wanted to run, and I just thought, you'll get eaten alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, you know, I don't think you'll like it. Well, and, and that that's a good point, because I think a lot of people think it's it's kind of like when I used to be in TV, they thought it was all this glamorous job or something. It's like, no, it's it's not. It's, you know, and, and that job, you got a lot of, not everybody likes what you do or say, and, mm-hmm. and you hear about it, and you, you did have to have, have thick skin for that as well. What are some of the most important issues you feel you dealt with over those years in the state legislature? Well, I guess I'm, I, I bring it up. It was my f- the very first bill. Um, President Obama had started to um, normalize relations with Cuba, and I got a hold of, a, I think it was a 1992 report from the Commissioner of Agriculture saying if this ever happens, Minnesota farmers can triple, quadruple their exports, I think it would, from 20 million to like 120 million. Um, and that was in 92. Mm-hmm. And so it was more. Um, I had, that was my first bill. It was to send the Department of Agriculture down to Cuba, learn all the new regulations, what the markets were. And then the second part was to come back and talk to small family farms about it. Um, the big boys, Cargill, Archer, Daniel Milden, were already down there and uh, doing a booming business, but local family farmers didn't have an opportunity or didn't know what to do. And so um, that was my first bill, and like I said, I was pretty proud of that one. It happened to coincide with a bill that Amy Kobachar was doing in the Senate, and so almost immediately we were in a forum together after that. Um, my biggest, biggest single disappointment is the home health aides and personal care attendants. Um, I did get up a number of times on the floor and lay into people about that. Um, that's a disgrace. These people take care of our most vulnerable citizens. But I think now we're finding more than ever that they are on the front lines. They are the ones, I mean, it's such an important job that they do and are mm-hmm. not being it's vital. recognized for that. And nothing says recognition like a paycheck where you can feed your children. Uh, um, and, yeah, that was, and that was, um, my eyes got open to that uh, when my mother was in a local facility here and I saw the care and tenderness that these uh, primarily women showed her. And then, you know, a number of times I talked to young ladies there and I go, well, you have a gift. Are you planning? I can't afford to do this. Yeah, that's the no. sad part. Yeah, I got, I got good, children. Yeah. yeah, a lot of good people. Can't, have to leave. Yeah, yeah. afford that. We're almost, in fact, we are out of time because it is 11 o'clock. But oh my. I do want to ask you one thing. You know, and I know, and watch any TV station you want today, it's Inauguration Day. Oh, yeah. When there was the last four years you were in as a representative, did you notice any change with the previous administration now, the Trump administration, in terms of how things were in the legislature? Had Did that um, impact your relationships uh, across the aisle or was Minnesota more cordial, do you feel? I think it got a lot more partisan. And there was also then, um, on a couple of issues, a lack of leadership coming out of uh, Washington. You, things that you would expect, emergency declarations. Um, I'm trying, well, the COVID response. that um, was just wasn't there. Yeah. Are, you, are you glad that you're not in now that COVID's kind of the main thing? Is that something maybe you're thinking, like, maybe I dodged a bullet by getting out when I did? I actually said that I was glad that I had announced that I was stepping down prior to the COVID thing hitting. 
So they uh, didn't say, yeah, he just quit because he didn't want to. Well, I think it. I had at some point I almost thought about rescinding it because oh. I thought, um, you, again, I had a responsibility to maybe stick around and um, I had some experience. I was chairing a committee. Um, there were things that I felt responsible to that I thought, oh, my goodness, this is going to go down. But I had already made the decision, and I had already announced it. So, um, And there were people that then were lining up to take Two. my place. And uh, I think Luke will do a fine job up there. I think he's a good young man. And um, Is he relying on you for some maybe mentorship? Uh, I've, we have spoken a number of times. Now I haven't talked to him since um, he's been in there. I'm certainly willing to talk to him and help him. Uh, he's a bright young man, though, and there are um, a number of state representatives up at the Capitol, and honestly, a couple of them I've asked to kind of look. Yeah, keep an eye him. on Luke, help him out. Um, they're doing so, um, but he's going to do well. And like I said, he's a bright young man. He'll he's got a good heart, um, and there are mentors up there that he can seek. If he needs me, I'm here. This, like I said, we are out of time, but I do want to ask you, what were your th- thoughts going through your head when you saw the January 6th uh, happenings on the capital of our U.S. grounds? I was 13 in 1968, and Tet Offensive, uh, you had Martin Luther King was assassinated, Robert Kennedy was assassinated, and you had... Um, riots going on all across this country. I always kind of thought that was the end of my childhood, and I hadn't felt like that again until until January 6th. My stomach was in knots. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, I was wondering if it was the end of the country, and um, yeah, that was horrendous. It was um, one of the worst um, things I've ever seen. Do you have hope again? I um, Yeah, some. I'm cautiously optimistic okay. we'll see how things go i look at some of um the people that are still in there that are still divisive that now are i, I don't understand what they're thinking um there's still a lot of them in office that i question uh their commitment to the constitution and um we'll see how things progress anything we can do as a public to help heal things? Stay involved. Okay. And get, um, you know, I, the, people like yourself, the free press, um, people that are genuine news, you know, look to them for your news, not YouTube and social media and podcasts. Uh, one of the things that would just drive me nuts is I would get an email and I would have a whole list of like the top infectious disease experts in the world saying one thing and somebody would email me and say you need to look at this youtube oh wow you got a youtube why didn't you tell me that from the beginning (laughs) (laughs) yeah right well i want to thank you so much for your time we've been talking with jack considine just about his time in office his times in our community and that he's he's really embraced this as uh you know his home and uh, just had some great experience over the community. Thank you for sharing all those experiences and your, your knowledge. We appreciate it. And maybe we'll have you back again sometime. I would really like that. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jack Considine. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you. Yep, bye-bye.
All right, our friend Jack Considine joining us, and it was a lot of fun to have him on the show. Uh, we're a little late, but that's okay. It is five minutes past 11, and you're listening to A Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin.